Welcome back to In the Queue, film conversations with Andrew and Phil. I'm your co-host, Phil. And while I have a lot of good things to say about today's movie, I do feel like it's a shame that it's harder to discover a hidden gem in the movie theater these days Mm. because they're usually all reserved for this time of year and they're very often very heavily marketed and promoted and hyped. And this film is one such example that I saw hyped every single day I went on Facebook. Yeah, it is definitely a film that got a lot of hype. Uh, But I think that the reason for that is because the studio really believes in it because there are a lot of other really excellent films coming out at this time of year and mm-hmm. they're not getting the same level of hype that this movie did. I think that they knew that they had something special on their hands and they wanted to get it out there in front of people. I I think that's definitely what their MO was and it's getting out there little by little art house by art house. It is. I'm Andrew. I'm your other co-host. And if this film does not end up garnering many nominations at the end of this year in whatever contest you might uh, prefer. Uh, I will not only be shocked, I will be dismayed, disheartened, and even angry. Uh, That would be a a major epic fail. I think we're talking about the Oscars here (laughs) primarily. Yeah, yeah, that's mostly what we're talking about here. If the Academy failed to recognize this film, which is... And most and almost an entirely all black cast, uh, it would be a very disappointing blunder to do, especially after the controversy of Oscar So White from last year. Indeed, indeed. Uh, the film we're talking about is Moonlight. Maybe you've heard of it, maybe not. Maybe after this podcast, you'll be interested in seeing it. Uh, we're going to talk all about this uh, really excellent movie in just a moment. First, I want to tell you guys out there where you can find us on the web. You can go to our blog, which is at www.in-the-q.com. That's the letter Q, mind you. And on our website, we have all of our episodes posted. You can also go to our Facebook page. Just search Facebook for In the Q. Q-U-E-U-E is how it is spelled. And then there you'll find all of our episodes again. And you can leave comments to communicate with us. Uh, We also have a Twitter account. It's at ITQ Podcast, all one word. Follow us. We'll follow you back. And lastly, you can find our show on iTunes or on the podcast or Overcast apps and probably most other aggregate podcast apps that are out there. Chances are you've already found one of those if you're listening to this, so good on you. As I mentioned, today we're talking about Moonlight. What you looking at me like that for? What, man? Come on, you just drove down here? Yeah. Who is you, Sharon? Hold on, son. Try not to remember. You gotta decide for yourself who you gonna be. Can't let nobody make that decision for you. You won't tell him why the other boys kick his ass all the time. What's wrong? I'm good. No. I'm seeing good. And you ain't it. 
from the last time I saw you. Listen. To who, Ma? Huh? To you? Who is you, man? I ain't seen you in like a decade. It's not what I expected. What did you expect? Yeah. Oh yeah. man, I I feel like <laughs> my eyes are welling up with tears listening to that. Just not just because the music is so stirring, but also it just gave me a whole recap of the experience I had watching Moonlight. Yeah. Uh, so Moonlight is about just kind of a, give you a brief overview. Um, it deals with the story of a, a character named Chiron, who is um, a, a young black boy at the beginning of the film who matures throughout the story. We see him go from a boy up up until the age of being a man in his 20s. And we basically see his struggle to be who he is, to survive in a dangerous part of Miami, mm-hmm. deal with his unstable mother who's addicted to drugs. And uh, interestingly, when good things happen to Chiron, when, uh, when prosperity happens to him, uh, he doesn't quite, he's not quite able to embrace it. Um, early in the story, there's a character by the name of Juan who is a very friendly guy in the neighborhood who kind of takes a shine to to Chiron mm-hmm. and uh, and kind of acts as us like a mentor or surrogate father to him. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but Chiron, um, even as a young child, is harboring some some real angst, and he cannot quite open up to to receive Juan's sort of attention. Um, I really, I don't know how much we should really talk about with this story because there's a lot to say about how 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 we take it in, but I don't know if I really want to spoil the experience to our listeners of seeing it. Well, here's what I would say is I think we should talk about it and I think that we should delve into it at, at some length because this is such an excellent film. I would hate for it to go unexamined by us simply mm-hmm. because we don't want to spoil it for people. Uh, needless to say, if you haven't been able to figure it out already, both Phil and I really like this movie a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I think it's easily one of the best films of the year. Uh, it's just a great film all around. So if you want to delve into it a little bit more and listen to what we have to say, I would say that this should be a big spoiler warning. We're going to talk about yeah. the film uh, in depth, and we're going to talk about it... Uh, in in a uh, you know basically all of the things that could be spoiled are going to get spoiled. So if you want to hear anything beyond this movie was great, then <laughs> uh, really, if you were if you were going to base your decision to see this movie just what in the queue said about it, then go ahead and see it because we both liked it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah, <laughs> it's pretty straightforward. <laughs> but for anyone else who wants to keep listening, uh, consider this your spoiler warning. Right. So the film is divided into three sections, mm-hmm. uh, each dealing with a, a crucial period of, of life for Chiron. Uh, first, when he is a child around the age of eight or nine. Uh, second chapter is when he is a teenager. Third chapter is when he is around roughly his mid-20s. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're each titled by how he is referred to at that period in his life. Yeah. 
So like uh, in the first chapter, it's titled Little because Little is what he's referred to by his peers. Um, and then the second chapter, he's called Chiron, which is, you know, just his given name. And then in the third chapter, when he's uh, a man in his 20s, uh, his his nickname is Black. So that was the name of that chapter. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, the movie itself has so very much to do with identity and who you are and how people perceive you and how you perceive yourself. So I think that by, by titling each chapter off of what he is called at that period in his life, it's reflecting the, um, the identity that he is either given or is struggling to assume. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this film is based on a, a play that was actually never produced. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was written by a MacArthur fellow by the name of Terrell Alvin McCraney. And for a film that is based on a play, it is, there is no shortage of cinematic beauty in the way that the, the story is told. Um, it's full of very beautiful photography, beautiful flourishes of, of music, as you heard in the trailer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's, it never gives you the impression of being overly talky or stagey. Yeah, it doesn't um, seem like it's adapted from a stage production, as so many films do. I mean, pretty soon uh, there's going to be a uh, an adaptation of August Wilson's, Wilson's Fences coming out, uh, directed mm -hmm. by Denzel Washington and starring Denzel Washington and Viola Davis. And that film, it may, it may also transcend the stage, but usually when we're talking about stage plays making their way to film, they tend to feel very stagey and this film mm -hmm. feels more cinematic than it does stagey. Yeah. And there's a certain kind of visual palette that the filmmakers were definitely aware of. The name of the film moonlight refers to a, an anecdote that a character gives about how African-Americans, how their skin looks uh, at night under the, the light from the moon. It looks blue. Yeah. In fact, the and, original name of the play that this is based on is black boys look blue in the moonlight. Yeah. And not only are there a few scenes where, where the take place at night, but I noticed as I was watching it, particularly in the first segment, the filmmakers are paying a lot of attention to the color blue, and you can mm -hmm. find it in nearly every single scene. Yeah. Whether it's the color of the walls or the, or the outdoors of, of the building or, or whatever it is, there is a definite sort of reminder of melancholy throughout the story yeah and it is a melancholy story and i knew this going into the film but they do not actually address this very major plot point until well into the first third of the story and that is the fact that chiron is struggling with his sexuality as, mm -hmm. as part of his identity and so there is that kind of pain that he's going through that kind of he's kind of coiled up emotionally for the whole story and he's wrestling with this at one point he just kind of point blank asks his friend juan what's a faggot yeah and and it's the first time that that kind of card if you will is being played in the story like i mean there's there's no kind of real overt hint that he's gay but then he just kind of brings it up and juan and his girlfriend you know, to his, to their credit, say that, you know, that's a word that is used to make gay people feel bad. Mm -hmm. And he says that, you know, it's okay to be gay, but then he realizes that maybe he doesn't want to 
pressure or coerce Chiron into coming to any realization he's not ready to come to. So Mm -hmm. he says, you don't have to be gay. And then that kind of theme gets explored in the second and third parts of the movie even more explicitly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that the, you know, this issue of identity and struggling with the identity and, and uh, all of that is so very tenderly handled in this film in a way that I've seldom seen <laughs> quite honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, you tend to get these kind of things with character studies and in, in independent films, you tend to get uh, a little bit more nuance, a little bit more, uh, sort of light handling of the subject, but the way that you describe how it's brought up in the context of the film, we don't. It, the film doesn't beat our, our us over the head with mm. the idea, right? It just sort of suggests at first uh, in the trailer that we played for you. You hear Naomi Harris playing Paula, which is Chiron's mother. Mm-hmm. She says, "Why do you think all those boys beat him up all the time?" And that's all that's said. And you yeah. know exactly what that means. And you know mm-hmm. exactly what she's referring to. <laughs> and you you intuit it. And, and, the, and this is a film that actually trusts the audience to be intelligent enough to pick up on these things and see, not only with their eyes, but also to hear with their ears, what the characters are saying and how they're saying it and how important that is in how they handle this very difficult... Mm-hmm. <laughs> issue you know i mean it's yeah because it, it's tough for for somebody especially a kid who's growing up in uh a very macho environment you know with gangs right. and with drugs and with you know all kinds of you know kids playing sports he doesn't feel comfortable in any of that no and it's it's portrayed with a lot of sensitivity the director we should say is barry jenkins yes um who also wrote the screenplay and um, no matter what Barry Jenkins background is, what really struck me with the story was that how it is such a precisely objective approach to the material that he, that he employs in telling the story so that really anybody with, with no previous knowledge about, Miami, dangerous neighborhoods, mm-hmm. homosexuality, African-American youth, uh, really without any kind of background in that, in any topics whatsoever, um, you've got a universally moving story here. Oh, yeah. Uh, a film that is so kind of, um, it's just such a good example of the kind of simple, you know, coming of age story that anybody can really, anybody with any shred of empathy uh can can really relate to sure and and get and be moved by i mean there's one part where um you know chiron as as a grown man he's got these you know these grills that he wears on on his teeth um as you know as basically a way to front as it were or maybe sort of show (laughs) show himself he's wearing fronts to front yeah you got it yeah he's because he's (laughs) He wants to. He's he's very muscular now. After a troubled youth, he's very big and imposing, and uh, but we actually get treated to a scene where he sits down to eat, and we see him taking out his grill yeah. and setting it on the table. Yeah. And uh, and the 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 friend that he is having dinner with, he brings it up. He's like, "What you? Who who is you? Like, what are you? <laughs> yeah. You got these fronts on. You wearing these grills? Like, what's 
this is not what I expected after not seeing him for, for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think that really Moonlight is, as a film, is maybe the perfect film to come out at this time to draw everyone's attention to great filmmaking in, that's done by African-Americans, um, whether they're acting in it or directing it, because Barry Jenkins himself is also black. And I feel like this this film absolutely deserves to be nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, uh, Best Screenplay, best, best, screen best Cinematography, Best yeah, Score. And it, it's really, I mean, it, it's a masterpiece. Moonlight is a masterpiece. It guys. absolutely I mean, is. I really loved it just watching it so much. It has the rich richness of a novel. It's, yeah. It's, it's so, I mean, it it's demands so much of its viewers, so much attention, so much empathy. But then after a while, once you've committed to the film, it's incredibly rewarding to watch and see it play out. And just the the last third just kind of floored me with the, the yeah. big reveal that happens at the end. Yeah. Uh, you know, because like in the third section, the filmmaking style reflects what has happened to Chiron. He is more self-assured on the outside. Yep. The filmmaking becomes a little bit easier. It's more kind of... It's it's rather than just kind of expressionistic shots and and um, and reflecting the fragmented like anxious state of the character. The uh, it's it's shot using coverage, you know, shot reverse it's shot. Mu- yeah, it's much more conventional coverage. Conventional, and there's like there's there's mute uh, source music is playing on the yeah. jukebox. Yeah. And then at the very end, though, I was actually surprised by the way it concluded. And I'm we yeah we I, we, we don't I, have to go all the way with the spoilers. <laughs> <clears throat> For anybody who's still sticking with us, I, I mean, it, it, you're right. I mean, it, it, it absolutely, uh, and I also think that, that that fragmentation, I think that through the film, it becomes less and less uh, expressionistic, I think. And that reflects the experience of childhood, too, right? Yeah. When he's a childhood, it is bits and fragments and pieces and, and memories of feelings and of colors and of space and, and of... Uh, uh, you know, time. And then when he's a teenager, we see things get a little bit more tactile, right? Uh, I felt mm-hmm. like the second part of the film was all about uh, the way things felt, the way things physically, f- I mean, like, it was such a physical mm-hmm. section of the film. And not only because there's uh, violence in the second part of, of the film, but also because there's uh, love in the second part of the film or the discovery of. Yeah. And not since a movie that I love uh, called Bright Star, directed by Jane Campion. Oh, okay. I didn't know you were going to bring Bright Star up. Not since then have I felt a movie feel so tactile. Like, uh-huh. there's a moment uh, on the beach when he's with his best friend on the beach that takes it's time to show fingers running through the sand, Mm -hmm. you know, skin pressing against skin, lips touching all this other kind of stuff. And it is, it's absolutely like, it just, it creates this deep emotion in you because you can feel it. You can, you can, it's, it's like the, the movie is presenting itself to you to touch and it just feels so intense mm-hmm. and it feels so enveloping. Yeah. 
Definitely. Um, it's it's quite powerful. It's a very powerful kind of intoxicating sense of visuals yeah. th- throughout the whole thing. And um, I wanted to also touch on, as a counterpoint to our previous episode, Kings of Summer, mm-hmm. yeah. um, th- there we had a discussion about the main character from that film who was, we all, the three of us kind of agreed that this guy internalized his emotions and didn't really commit to his emotions and didn't Mm -hmm. portray them on screen. And I was thinking, well, you know, here you've got Chiron who is also holding so much inside. Um, but the reason why it's a better performance in this film is because he does erupt and he has those moments of violence and vulnerability like when he there's he he, he throws a chair at a classmate yeah. that's yeah. the violence he 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 says you know what's a faggot that's the vulnerability so we can see that this character and this actor are capable of range and capable of of real emotional power and but they just he holds it inside for so much and uh, I thought that that was one of the most impressive performances in a film that's full of really good natural performances. Yeah, and and let's talk a little bit about those performances because okay, my God, <laughs> is everybody in this movie good? Um, I think probably the standout and the most likely to get a absolutely assured nomination is Mahershala Ali, mm-hmm. who plays Juan the uh, the man that befriends, uh, uh, our, you know, Chiron, Chiron at the, in, in the beginning of the film at the, in the first mm-hmm. section of the film and his man, his performance is so spot on. Most people probably know him as Remy Denton from house of cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, he plays a pretty significant role in that show and he's great in that too. Uh, and in fact, I heard that he, almost didn't get the role in this film because he was he, he was so associated with House of Cards that they were afraid that people would only think of him in that context. But Right. He was the only actor that I did recognize from the cast. But uh but I don't think that was a hindrance to no, know, enjoying the story. Not at all. There there are a couple others that I noticed uh, that I I recognize Janelle Monet, of course, who is uh primarily known as a musician, but has been uh, moving over into acting uh, quite a bit. She's fantastic as Juan's mm-hmm. uh, girlfriend or wife. Uh, Naomi Harris. Who yeah, I was actually, I was going to say that I thought uh, Naomi Harris was the most impressive performance overall. Oh, I think she's magnificent. I think she's great. I think she's incredible. Yeah. Um, she plays Paula, uh, which is Chiron's mother. Uh, you know, drug addicted mother who uh, has a number of great scenes in this film. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> she's absolutely she's, fantastic, and she confronts Juan about you know she says you know you're gonna raise my son, yeah. you're gonna raise my son for me, yeah. And it's like she just has this way of bringing out the subtext that's going on through the whole film and giving it a voice. So she, she voices what's what's on everybody's mind as we're watching the film. Yeah. Maybe because she's addicted to drugs. So her sense of judgment is, is impaired. She doesn't have the same kind of, uh, same kind of a filter. 
And uh, the fact that she kind of brings everything into the open, uh, I, maybe that's one reason why I thought she was the best performer. Not, I mean, she's a great actress, but the, the, it, she was so direct when everything else is kind of delicately hinted at. She just kind of brings it forth. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, in those two roles, which are the primary roles in the first section of the film, uh, I think that they're. I think they're just they're powerhouse performances. They're absolutely spectacular. Uh, the young boy who plays Chiron as a child, mm-hmm. uh, Alex Hibbert, is uh, as natural a. Uh, uh, a child actor, as you're going to see, he he turns in a great performance, which is hard mm-hmm. to do. Uh, oh, and and speaking of hard to do, Naomi Harris is British, and oh, <laughs> <laughs> we we just recently talked about Doctor Strange on this uh, uh, podcast, and and about how Benedict Cumberbatch has trouble with his American accents, hard, as as his many hard R's, his hard R's. <laughs> Uh, as many British actors do, but uh, Naomi Harris has no problems whatsoever. <laughs> I totally didn't know that. I thought for sure that she was American. So good, yeah, she good plays. Work. She's Money Penny in the new Bond films. <laughs> she's oh <great. laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's acting right there, man. <laughs> that's that that's is a, it. That's how you do it. That's a good actor. Uh. Ashton Sanders plays Chiron as a teenage boy, and he's magnificent. Mm-hmm. Um, or along with Jarrell Jerome, who plays his friend Kevin uh, as a teenager. And also then, a great performance. Also a great performance. And then lastly, uh, Trevante Rhodes playing Chiron as an adult, and Andre Holland playing Kevin as an adult. Holy cow. That The last section of the film is mind-bendingly good. <laughs> you know, the posters for this movie say things like, your life will be changed. And, and <laughs> you know, and, and, and the, yeah, it is. I mean, it is changed when you walk out of the film because, you know, one of the things that this movie plays on is our expectations about, you know, what happens to bullied kids when they become adults. You know, I mean, like sure. a lot of people, a lot of people kind of don't have a, a very understanding view about how painful it is to be bullied. They think, oh, it's tough, you know, yeah, you know, we all go through it. It's hard, but you'll grow, you'll grow up and then you'll get your sense of personal power and, you know, ev- then we're all on the same playing field and all that. But, um, but what this movie shows is that, you know, when bullied children grow, grow up, they don't always completely heal their demons. They don't always completely become whole again. And, and sometimes they still struggle with like issues of sexuality. Yeah. Um, and, uh, the only kind of, the only minor quibble I have with moonlight, it's not really Uh a, a problem with the film. It's, it's actually a testament to how good the film is. I thought the ending was too soon. I thought it was too abrupt. <laughs> uh, uh, it yeah. ends. It ends right after a very. For me, this was a surprising revelation. I've talked about this film with other people, and they are not as surprised about this as I was. Oh yeah. But after a surprise revelation for me, it it quickly ends, and I needed more of a. 
a dying fall, as they say in literature. I needed more of a, uh, a decrescendo. Denouement. Yeah, a denouement to sort of bring me down and, and make me ready to leave this world. I think and, you, uh, you and my girlfriend felt the same way about it. She, when she was watching <laughs> it, she was like, oh man, that I, she's like, I don't like that it wasn't more tied up, that we didn't spend more time with them, that we didn't do more. Uh, well, there's... I mean, we've come this far, Andrew. I think we might as well just stop <laughs> dancing around the issue here. Okay, okay, all right, um, fine. There's, I just want to talk about this one thing. Uh, Chiron, uh, he reunites with an old friend that he had a sexual encounter with. And the whole time, the friend seems to be interested in Chiron sexually. He seems to be rather flirty. They seem yeah. to have some chemistry. Yeah. Uh, but at the very end, when Chiron brings it up, uh, rather than them, you know, getting it on, we just see a very quick shot of Chiron lead, leaning his head on his friend and his friend just kind of patting his head yeah. affectionately. Yeah. And uh, a perfect what, ending. Yeah, because like it's so good, it, it is perfect, and it, it it doesn't it doesn't close too many doors. Like, who's to say that after that they didn't kiss? We don't know, May, or maybe that's all there was to their encounter is just a friendly pat on the head. That's how it ends, and we don't really know what happens next. We just know that there is a, a feeling of of love between them, even if it's just fraternal, and even more so that they there is a shared experience of having grown up in the same place with the same identity issues they both had to navigate that world and mm -hmm. keep their sexuality a secret or at least you know play it in a way that didn't get them killed or but it seems like yeah like terrible. kevin though the yeah. friend kevin he seems to have had an easier time of it because he he was well athletic, and he was interested in girls. Too. It, well, yeah, he was but more he, outgoing. Well, he made he made those choices. Those were, I think, that those were very clearly portrayed in the film as conscious choices that he was making in order to survive. Mm -hmm. That Chiron didn't wasn't equipped to be able to make. Chiron didn't know how to deal with what was going on, whereas Kevin was able to see that the only way that he was going to avoid getting beaten. Mm -hmm. or avoid getting in trouble was to pretend to be straight was to pretend Interesting. to be like the others well but uh, at the end of the film though uh, kevin ha he has a a girlfriend or wife yeah. doesn't he yeah oh yeah 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 so i i i pictured kevin's character as bisexual somebody who could navigate both worlds certainly certainly and i think that it it's left open ended to to some extent just be because of the nature of the film, I, I don't mm -hmm. think that it, it, it's trying to put a uh, a nice bow on the the story and sort of say, "Well, now everything is perfectly resolved, and, and here you go, everybody's happy." Uh, right. No, it leaves the potential for things to not turn out well. I mean, it leaves the potential for Moonlight too. <laughs> oh, God. oh God, this is not the kind of film that needs a sequel. <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, um, but I, yeah. but I also, I, I want to talk really briefly about one of the things. You know, this sort of coincides with that tactile statement that I made earlier. Mm -hmm. But um, in the third part of the film, when 
Black slash Chiron uh, goes to meet Kevin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin is working at a diner. He's a uh-huh. short order cook. And they meet and they have conversation and they reconnect and they do all that kind of stuff. And then Kevin insists on making a meal for Chiron. And the meal itself is a very short order diner kind of meal, you know, Mm -hmm. it's greasy and it's, you know, it's the presentation is nothing that Mario Batali would be, you know, crazy (laughs) about. Right. However, it was one of the most sensual, rich, wonderful, like, beautiful sequences in the entire film and I just felt like it was it's one of those I think very rare moments in cinema when you can feel the love Mm -hmm. that the characters are feeling through the actions that they're taking and it's not just the actors oh no Uh, no because yeah you you got the whole the whole picture you've got the the source music on the jukebox you've got the photography uh that feeling of love which i have felt before watching movies is when there is a totality of experience of yes. where yes. every single aspect of the movie is working in tandem to create this you know this other this other feeling yeah and it happens with some directors more than others and that i agree with you that there was that moment there's even that long shot which it's like what is this shot doing in this movie? We actually see a shot where he picks yeah. the plate of food up off of the counter, walks over to the table carrying the yeah. food, and sets it in front of Chiron. And it's, and it it belongs, of course, in the film. But it's like, it's like foreplay. I mean, that whole shot. <laughs> it really, it really leads you to think as a viewer. Okay, Chiron's going to get laid tonight. Yeah. And that, does that happen? see the movie for yourself and find out. <laughs> well, yeah, and I think that that I think that that when people talk about the auteur theory and they talk about directors who have a vision and a a style that is all their own and they are the ultimate author of the film. Uh I think that that's what we're talking about. Is sequences like this, films like this in general, it's the totality as you say of all of the elements coming together to work in such harmony that you are overcome with the emotion of what is happening and whatever that emotion might be, you know, depending on the film, a great, uh, you know, a Hitchcock thriller, everything comes together to terrify you, you know, mm-hmm. a great romance makes you feel the love of the characters. So it's, mm-hmm. I think that this is a magnificent example of that. A great film from someone who has directed very few films at this point. I haven't seen his other films. Yeah, uh, uh, he kind of he was dis- he disappeared for a few years after making a film in two thousand eight called yeah. uh, Medicine for Melancholy. Yep, which was, and, I remember uh, being very well received, but I, I never uh, saw it. I w- you can bet I will now. Yeah, um, but yeah, Barry Jenkins is back. He he most certainly deserves a best actor. I'm sorry, best director nomination, if not oh, yeah. the actual statue. We'll see how good silence is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, 
I think me and Andrew both made our feelings plain about Moonlight. It's a great, great film. It's a masterpiece. Yeah. Um, it's one of those films that I almost that I want to see it again, but then I also don't because I feel like it would spoil the original <laughs> experience. Experience, sure, yeah. Um, the conundrum, yeah. The conundrum of great films. <laughs> the conundrum. Usually, what happens is when I see a movie that I love, the second time I see it is a disappointment, but then the third time is really good. Yeah, yeah. I've had that experience too. Yeah. Um, but sometimes the second time is better than the first, and then the third is better than the second. And it keeps well, going that's from the there. ideal, uh, definitely. Yeah. That's the ideal experience you want to have. Uh, so that's our review about Moonlight. Uh, we, I think we both recommend that you go see it, it if you un- can. Questionably. It's uh, really a really great film. That's our episode about Moonlight. Stay tuned for our next episode, which is going to be our 250th episode Woo-hoo! of In the Queue. So we're, we're going to celebrate by having... Kevin B. Lee as a guest on our show. You may know him as King of the Video Essays, which is what the New York Times called him. Yeah, Uh, He's made hundreds of these essays and he currently is the the sort of the supervisor of video essays at Fandor. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have him on the show to talk about uh, three films from the 21st century. One Uh, picked by each of us and one picked by him. Yeah. Uh, just to, to gab, to gab and chat about movies. Yeah. So stay tuned for that episode, and we'll catch you next time. Bye.